0: What's going on, guys? My Take Radio, episode 375, Powered by RageWorks, broadcasting live Wednesday, October 26, 2016. I'm your host, Rich, and our call in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call in number 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show airing Live every Wednesday and Thursday at 11.30 p.m. Eastern, 8.30 p.m. Pacific. On Wednesday nights, we cover MMA and wrestling. And Thursdays, we shift gears and jump into gaming and entertainment. Sometimes we sprinkle a little tech in there for good measure. This show, the live airing of this show, is currently being simulcast on a couple of different online video streaming services, including Twitch, YouTube Live, Vaughn Live, StreamUp, and Restream IO. In addition to that, the audio is being simulcast through the Mixler app. M i x l r. If you want to listen to the show on your mobile device, you can find the app for iOS and Android devices. Just punch in "My Take Radio," and you can listen to your show to the show in 96k stereo sound. And you can also listen to live episodes of "Black Is the New Black" as well. Archived episodes of this broadcast and and any of our other broadcasts can be found on RageWorks.net. As always and on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Video, of course, will be on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash official RageWorks. For those of you that would like to participate, head over to mtrlive.com. We got a chat room up, and of course, you can listen to the audio feed and listen to, uh, you can listen to video, uh, a little rusty, guys. You can listen to the audio feed and watch the live video feed, for this episode. As always, those of you that are watching via other streaming services, I want to direct you guys to mtrlive.com. It's easier to manage the chat room there versus trying to manage each individual chat room for each streaming service. I know some of you guys would love to interact on Twitch or YouTube live or any of the other channels. It's just too many system resources to have that many chat windows open. So again, head over to mtrlive.com and you can participate there. All right. Before we get into tonight's topics, I got a couple of announcements I'd like to make. Uh, first and foremost, as many of you know, there was no there were no episodes of My Take Radio Live last week as we were not only covering the Synology conference but also covering the Photo Plus Expo which pretty much took over Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and to some degree Saturday in terms of coverage. That we needed to do because of that, obviously we did not have any live broadcast, but there will be obviously live shows this week. But I will say that the week of November 7th, there will not be live shows only because we will be covering two additional events, including NAB uh, we will be also covering CES unveiled and another event that we are going to be sharing as well. Uh, That one is going to be a surprise until actually, you know what? Fuck it. We are going to be at the UFC weigh-ins on Friday, November 11th. So keep an eye out for social media for coverage of the weigh-ins at the theater in Madison square garden. Um, This worked out to be pretty awesome, except obviously we did not. There were a couple of things that, had to be moved around in order to make that possible. But yes, we will be at the UFC 205 weigh-ins at Madison square garden. Very, very excited for that. Looking forward to being there, not going as a member of the press. um, Fortunately, unless something changes between now and the 12th, but it is definitely something that we are excited to be a part of. That's for sure. Oh, I forgot to mute my phone. Thank you. Slick for, Reminding me, <laughs> in any case, yes, the week of November 7th, there will not be any live shows. But we will be back the following week, and then we will take another week off because of the Thanksgiving holiday. Now, with that said, the next announcement is something I did want to share with you guys. It is, it is you know, fairly important, and it is that... In 2017, starting January, um, I am going to move away from live my take radio broadcasts. Uh, a couple of reasons why I want to do that. I'm not going to get into them now, but as we get closer to the end of the of the year, I will go into it a little further. This does not mean that I'm pulling the plug on my take radio. Um, just pivoting and changing the way that we're going to be doing the show. Going forward, now obviously, this doesn't mean that it'll be the end of live broadcast completely, it's just going to be a shift in terms of how we deliver content. Now, obviously, without getting into too many details, I will say that part of the reason is because Rageworks, which I'm very happy to say is growing at a very, very rapid pace uh, between all the coverage we're doing on the site. And, of course, the Rageworks Network with all its great shows um, and all the hosts that are putting out great content. I think that in that capacity, the void is going to be filled by all of those great hosts. Now, as I said, this isn't a a swan song. It's just a matter of reevaluating and pivoting a little bit, I presume, by the time 2017 comes in. We will be on our 400th episode. That should be where we're at by that time. Obviously, scheduling is going to be a factor, but the goal is 2017 by the 400th episode. That will be the the last live episode of MTR uh, for the foreseeable future, obviously, excluding specials and other things. That is the plan right now. Now, again, a reminder, not the end of MTR, just changing a couple of things as usual. And I think after 400 episodes, uh, I think I've earned it. So with that said, that that's a big announcement. I was going to put it off until later on in the year, but I know that as the year comes to an end, many of you guys are doing traveling and doing other things. So you're not catching every show on a consistent basis, but that is the plan. uh, Once we hit episode 400 in 2017. To move away from doing live broadcasts for the time being. Now, if you know things change and we we end up uh, restructuring and doing a couple of different things, then we may just uh, repackage the show a little differently. Maybe do one of the episodes live, one of the episodes taped. Um, we'll see what the deal is with that. But the plan the plan is to uh, move away from live broadcasts once we hit episode four hundred again. Did not want to save that until the end of the year. It would be uh, disingenuous of me to do that. So I wanted to definitely put that out there. But it's a long way. You know, it's still a couple of weeks away. We got lots of ground to cover. So with that said, we're going to talk about this week's MMA news. We're going to get into the very, very shitty and subpar Monday Night Raw that happened this past Monday. We're going to talk SmackDown. We're going to have an update on the TNA legal situation, which um, continues to get crazier and crazier. Plus, we're going to get into the wrestling news of the week as usual. Anyway, if you guys want to participate, mtrlive.com. We got a chat room there. Feel free to share your thoughts. I will read them on air and interact accordingly. And of course, if you prefer to call in, 347-324-3541, 347 324 3541 to call into the show and participate. With that said, let us jump into some MMA, shall we? All right. So I want to kind of open the floor up with what's going on in the world of MMA um, this past week, we had a Bellator show, which was surprisingly, surprisingly good. A lot of exciting fights. Bobby Lashley fought on that card, actually won his fight via submission, rear naked choke in the second round. A couple of things that I learned from Bobby Lashley's performance. Number one, Lashley has improved quite a bit from the last time we watched him fight. Uh, he continues to improve as a mixed martial artist. And now a lot of people, of course, draw parallels between Lashley and Brock Lesnar for a multitude of reasons. But for me personally, I view it as something that Brock Lesnar did not have the opportunity to do. And that is that Brock did not have a full camp. He Brock essentially created his own camp to prepare for fights. Bobby Lashley, part of American Top Team is going through the process, obviously not as fast as other fighters, but he's you know fine-tuning his skills, honing his craft, going out there, getting better and better in the cage. Obviously, he's not on, on a level where he can main event uh, an event right now, but I think that what they're doing with Lashley, the slow burn, is a very, very good opportunity. I think Lashley is one of the few guys that is in a very fortunate place in the world of mixed martial arts. And I say this, because when you're when you're dealing with a guy that can compete much like Brock Lesnar has in both professional wrestling and mixed martial arts and can transition from one to the other with relative ease, any company that has that particular individual in their employ is capable of not only gaining another, you know, another fan base, but they have the opportunity to have a bona fide crossover star. One of the allures of, of Brock Lesnar is the fact that he's obviously a freak, but also the fact that he is, um, you know, capable of switching from one sport to the other with, like I said, relative ease. Now, that's not to say that Brock has, you know, a, a guaranteed MMA pedigree in the sense of guys like Randy Couture, Chuck Liddell, et cetera. But Brock Lesnar brings something unique to the cage in the sense that he brings a rabid fan base um, just an incredible presence. That's that's one thing. Some people got it, some people don't. And whether you like Brock or you hate him, he definitely has the tools. And I think Lashley has a lot of that as well. I mean, the guy is an accomplished wrestler, uh, was in the armed forces, had a pretty solid WWE career, has been a champion in TNA, and um, was about to sneeze, did not want to sneeze into the microphone, has without a doubt uh, really relished in both being a mixed martial artist and a professional wrestler, especially in his TNA career. I was, I was thoroughly impressed with his performance. Uh, the other guy who really impressed me was Alexander Shlomenko who came back into the cage after a brief layoff, taking out Kendall Grove. Uh, I got a soft spot for Kendall Grove. This guy's competing in the UFC, uh, always goes out there and and gives it his all in every fight. Um, Alexander Shlomenko looked really solid in the fight. I was, you know, I was bummed to see him lose, but, um, you know, I was glad to see Alexander Shlomenko back in there. The other performance that a lot of people were talking about was Ryan Couture's performance. Uh Ryan Couture, of course, son of Randy the Natural Couture. Uh, he was submitted via armbar by Goichi Yamauchi. And the thing about that fight, in my opinion, is something that a lot of people have been saying, and that is that, you know for a guy who who comes from obviously the same you know the a pedigree like Randy Coutures there's certain things that there's certain expectations that fans have for for a guy like you know like Ryan for me I always look at the children of professional athletes professional wrestlers mixed martial artists I always feel that they have these incredible these incredibly large shoes to fill and sometimes you get incredible success stories Sometimes you get individuals who have moderate success, and then you get other people that are busts. I'll give I'll give an example. Not exactly MMA, but let's look at Ric Flair. Ric Flair had David Flair, who if you watch WCW, you know what David Flair brought to the table, and honestly, it wasn't much. Then you look at an individual like Ric Flair's son, Reed, who passed away. Everyone felt that Reed Flair had the potential to have the same level of success his father did because he understood the wrestling business. And, you know, he was just a naturally, he was a charismatic athlete. Obviously um, the, the, re- the pro wrestling lifestyle caught up with him and obviously he passed away, but he was one individual that was looked at by many as the, you know, the heir to to the flair throne. And now obviously we got Charlotte, his daughter who is wrestling and she is, she is paving her own way But she definitely is, in my opinion, the one who is embodying a lot of what her father brought to the table as best as possible while still carving out her own niche. Another example, uh, Roddy Piper's son, who, who was a mixed martial artist. Same thing. Obviously, he wasn't going out there trying to use his dad's name to get any sort of preferential treatment. But he was, you know, he was solid in the fights that I saw him in. But, you know, the first question was, oh, he's the son of Roddy Piper, blah, blah, blah. They expected something that wasn't applicable in that environment. For Ryan Couture, I think a lot of people look at him, oh, you're the son of Randy Couture, you're the, you're gonna be a blah, 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 your dad was this, your dad was that. And you're not always gonna get that. And in, Rand- in, you know, in Ryan Couture's case, I'm not saying that he's a bad mixed martial artist. He's not. I just feel that, people watch his fights with this expectation of getting a carbon copy of, you know, of his father. And I don't think that's the case. The same thing can be said for Kimbo slices son, who is going to be fighting in Bellator very soon, obviously following in his father's footsteps. But we, we may not get the same quote unquote magic that we got with Kimbo slices son that we got with Kimbo slice. And, a lot of people always ask, you know, why are you a, a fan of his? You know, he he wasn't a real mixed martial artist, blah, blah, blah. I've always appreciated Kimbo Slice because Kimbo Slice was a guy who was carved in the streets. And I say that because, yeah, you can watch all the YouTube videos of him beating the fuck out of people and you can you can, you know, create your own opinions. But I have to say that in Kimbo's case, he was, you know, a a monster when, when the quote unquote bell rang, but he was just a genuine human being and a family man outside of the cage and, you know, outside of the street fighting environment. And I don't know, it just, it just resonated with me on top of the fact that Dana White talked a lot of shit about Kimbo slice and there. and, And he was the guy that said, you think you're so good. You think you're, you're, you're MMA material. Well, you know, show us, and Kimbo Slice went. He humbled himself. He went on The Ultimate Fighter. Obviously, he didn't perform in spectacular fashion, but the guy recognized that this was a challenge. He had to try his best to overcome it, and whether he did or he didn't, I respected that, because it it takes a big man to say, oh, man, you know, this guy's fucking clowning me. He could have just as easily been like, Dana White, you could go fuck yourself. You know, I'll fight you in the street and whoop your ass, and... I could guarantee that that'll always be the case, but he said, you know what? I want to go. I want to prove myself against the best. And he did, you know, he did as well as he could. And one thing that, that I really liked is that every person that shared the, the house with him on the ultimate fighter or was with him in the UFC or was with him in Bellator, everybody had something nice to say about Kimbo slice. Everyone, everybody said, how, how much of a family man he was and obviously you know the old ah, everybody's gonna talk, say nice things about you when you're dead sure but even when he was alive a lot of people just said that he was just a, a genuine dude that if he would have if he would have come into the sport a little earlier he probably would have been just as much of an iconic name as some of the other fighters that I've talked about in the last few minutes but in any case Ryan and Ryan Couture's future, It's, you know, Ryan Couture's future is, is very murky. Uh, (laughs) Ah, Val, Dada, Dada 5000. (laughs) You you know, you know what the thing is? Like, like I talked about when, when Kimbo fought Dada 5000, we knew what we were getting. You know, anybody who gets angry about that fight like yeah i was angry that it was a bellator main event and not like an opening fight you know what i mean i was i was annoyed about the amount of of pressure that they put on these guys knowing what we were getting you know one guy one guy almost died and one guy did which was obviously unfortunate all across the board but it was just the fact that everybody's like oh my god you know there's there's all this shit about about Kimbo and blah, blah, blah. Bellator were Bellator, were was the organization that decided that this was how they were going to proceed. So I'm not I, you know, I'm not going to blame Kimbo and Dada 5000 for not for not taking a paycheck that that that's for damn sure. Should that fight have been anywhere near the main event or any high placement? Absolutely not. But that's a that's a separate rant for a separate day. In any case, the uh, the Bellator card was, was really good. I enjoyed it. Um, really, really impressed. And like I said, keep an eye out on Bobby Lashley. I mean, of course, a lot of people have been talking about him and Brock Lesnar and maybe an MMA fight in the future, blah, blah, blah. A couple of things. First off, if Bobby Lashley keeps performing the way he does, Bobby Lashley is going to get scooped up by the UFC immediately. Why? He's a marketable name. He's a genuine martial artist. He's got a couple of fights under his belt and he has mainstream appeal on the same note. If TNA folds or if TNA cannot pay their, their superstars, WWE can very easily grab a guy like Bobby Lashley, bring him in and put him right back in the mix. And I've said, you know, on previous episodes of my take radio that if you were to bring Bobby Lashley back to the WWE, I would book Bobby Lashley and, like Brock Lesnar, but for SmackDown, like I would, you know, we already know raw has Brock Lesnar. I would create, I would take Bobby Lashley and book him as a force on SmackDown, build him up and then obviously put him on a collision course with Brock Lesnar in a future event, et cetera, et cetera. But I'll discuss that more in the wrestling segment. Um, The last episode of my take radio, we did, we were talking about the passing of Josh Salmon, um, MMA junkie, got a report from the Broward County medical examiner's office that said uh, that Josh Salmon's death has been ruled due likely due to a drug overdose. Uh, the chief medical examiner, according to the statement MMA junkie posted said that the ruling due to the fact that Salmon was found with Troy Kirkenberg, who was his friend who had heroin, cocaine, Xanax and ethanol in his system when he died, as well as the fact that Salmon tested positive for drugs at the hospital where he was rushed to after being found. Uh, Again, just really unfortunate situation. Uh, Josh Salmon ended up dying uh, earlier this month after he was found in a coma alongside his friend Troy Kirkenberg, who was, you know, who was found dead at the scene. Uh, Just a really unfortunate situation. And to, to read that, I mean, I knew that the guy was dealing with his demons, but the, the fact that his buddy had all those drugs in his system, I mean, it's tough to not rule out a, a drug overdose, but nonetheless, you know, still nobody, nobody should have to read that man, especially if his family, his family read that statement. And, and you know, this was a guy who was uh, trying to fight back his demons. It was, you know, just unfortunate all around. Couple of fights were announced over the last couple of days that I want to get into. One big fight that I shared on our Facebook fan page was Chael Sonnen and Tito Ortiz meeting at Bellator 170, January 21st at the Forum in Inglewood, California. Couple of things with that. The the interviews that have been conducted with these guys already are ridiculous. There was there was one interview where Tito Ortiz crushed like a juice box, like just really over the top insanity. And of course, Chael is going to be Chael. He's going to sell the fuck out of it, and I'm going to tune in. I mean, I, I can't I can't deny the appeal that is there. Now, does that mean that Tito Ortiz is going to be easy pickings for Chael? That depends because it's one of those things we've talked about with Tito on numerous occasions. You're either going to get the Tito that shows up and is ready to use his wrestling to do what he's got to do, or you're going to get the Tito that loses and says, you know, I had a broken back, a herniated disc. Half of my skull was cut off and my hand got bit off by a zombie, but I fought for you guys, the fans. And, you know, like I said, I love, I love Tito Ortiz. I, you know, he was one of my favorites growing up, but when he does that shit, I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, like, why? Why can't you just say, yo, I lost and keep it moving? <laughs> like, that's that's always what irks me. He just doesn't take a clean L. It's always, oh, you know, my, my arm is broken. My back was fucked up. You know, just a a, 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 a a lengthy list of excuses. So in any case, though, I am excited to see this fight. I think it's going to be fun. The, the buildup thus far has been, as you would expect, a sideshow. Uh, mark it down on your calendars, Bellator 170, January 21st. UFC 207 is also starting to take shape. As many of you know, that is going to be the card where Ronda Rousey gets back in action, challenging Amanda Nunes uh, for the women's bantamweight title. A couple of additional fights have been announced. Um Johnny Hendricks is going to be taking on Neil Magny, which I think is going to be a solid, solid welterweight fight. In addition, Matt Brown taking on Tarek Safadine which... I'm actually excited for that fight. It's been a while since Safadine has been in the cage uh, due to injuries, but I'm looking forward to seeing him back in there with Matt Brown. I think that's going to be a solid fight. Also, Tim Means, Alex Garcia was announced for that card, and um, the Saba Hamasi-Brandon Thatch fight was also announced. Now, for me, I think Amanda Nunes, Ronda Rousey has the potential to be fireworks. Not 100% sure Ronda's going to get that belt back, but anything is possible. Um, you know, she's, de- it's not to say that she hasn't improved her game plan going in, but I feel that Amanda Nunez not only has incredible striking, but she has a very solid ground game. So I think Rhonda's going to have a bit of difficulty trying to get her to the ground and look for the arm bar submission, considering that Amanda Nunez definitely has a pretty solid, uh, jujitsu background. But again, the, that fight goes down December 30th. It will be the last UFC event of 2016. And I think it's it's going to be one to watch. That's for sure. A lot of MMA fans were excited to hear that the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung is coming back to the UFC after being on a three-year hiatus um, due to military obligations he had to fulfill in South Korea. Last time he fought was against featherweight champion at the time, Jose Aldo. UFC 163 in August 2013. Uh, really excited to see the Korean Zombie coming back to the cage. He actually uh, wrote a post on Facebook challenging uh, BJ Penn to a fight. I think uh, that's that's going to be a fight. That's going to definitely be um, it, it'll it'll be highlight real worthy. I like the Korean Zombie. He was incredibly marketable, and now that with the, his military obligations behind him, I think he's going to get back in the cage and do some crazy stuff, that's for sure. The other fight that I didn't mention before on UFC 207's card is a fight between Cain Velasquez and Fabricio Verdum. The reason I didn't want to acknowledge that fight when I was breaking down the card is because this fight, obviously, being a rematch, there's a lot going into this. Obviously, Verdum, after his performance against Travis Brown, a lot of people are looking at him as a possible challenger for Stepe Miocic's heavyweight title. Cain Velasquez of course on on the on the warpath trying to get back into title contention. This fight has serious title implications any way you slice it. If either guy goes in there and has a highlight real worthy performance, it's almost a certainty that they will get a title opportunity and I think in in this instance, depending on how, you know, how healthy Cain is, I think Cain can go in there and do some serious damage, but I also feel that Verdum is is running on all cylinders. I like, you know, I like Kane. I'm a big fan of him. I think the dude is is tough as nails, but he's also been plagued by a lot of nagging injuries as of late. And it's one of those things that it's just, you know, it, it it's a fight that can go either way. Me personally, I would love to see um, Kane Velasquez against Stipe Miochik. I think that's a great fight. Uh, from a style perspective, I think both guys can go in there and stand and trade. And I think in in that case, Cain Velasquez can really optimize his wrestling background and do some major damage on the ground. But we'll see what happens. Like I said, that fight also on the 207 card. And I, I'm sure that's probably going to be your co-main event for that card. Another week in MMA, another week of Conor McGregor sound bites. As many of you know, Conor McGregor was incredibly vocal at the UFC press conference for UFC 205 about not giving up his belt, either one of his titles, should he defeat Eddie Alvarez. Now, you know, a lot of people were saying that that puts Dana White in a very precarious position, blah, blah, blah. But McGregor elaborated on that a bit in an interview he did recently with MMA Junkie. And he said that even though you know, he would ha- he would give the title up because obviously it's a correct business move. He said that he did want to at least enjoy the historical significance of being champion, being able to be photographed with the two belts, being able to enjoy uh, being champion, even if it's for a brief period of time. And I can understand that. Obviously, he's going to have to give up one of those titles should he win or, you know, defend them both. But I do feel that, you should. The organization should let him enjoy that moment in the sun if he does become a, a two division champion, because there is incredible significance at stake if he does succeed. So we'll see what happens. I think if McGregor wins, even though the the UFC says that they were gonna, that they take his belt, I I I'm not a hundred percent convinced they're going to do that, only because McGregor's about as marketable as they get. And having him be a two-division champion and defend each title has incredible potential to, you know, really boost any cards that he is involved in. If he were to defend, you know, the lightweight title at one and, you know, the other title a couple of months down the road, if he comes out of a title defense unscathed, there's there's definite potential there. But we'll see what happens. UFC 205 is in a couple of weeks, and we're going to find out if history will be made the next bit of news I really I was kind of on the fence about talking about just because I could really give two fucks about this fighter but for the sake of um you know sharing the story and it looks like Antonio Bigfoot Silva is now a free agent and his his management and the UFC have mutually decided to part ways he will not be renewing his contract with the organization after completing uh, 11 fights over the period of four years. Last fight he had was the knockout loss to Roy Nelson at the UFC Fight Night 95 event in September, which got Roy Nelson our fight of the month, our fighter of the month for September honors. Um, looks like he will be heading to Japan. All signs are pointing to him either fighting for Ryzen or fighting in Russia. It's, it's one of those things where I'm not a fan of Bigfoot Silva. I've never liked the guy, but I do feel there's still, there's still some gas in the tank, especially in some of these other smaller organizations, whether as a gatekeeper or in some sort of freak show fights, there's always ways to, to leverage a guy like that. I think if he would have gone to Bellator, he probably would have, he probably would have had a decently uh, trouble. He would have had a, 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 smooth road to becoming champion in the Bellator organization versus, you know, staying in the UFC, but going to Japan gives him a couple of different unique opportunities and allows him to get a couple of decent paydays. We'll see what the deal is. One guy though who is out of retirement and I'm actually really bummed that he's not going back to the UFC is Shane Carwin, who, excuse me, according to various news websites is being reported to be facing Fedor Emelianenko for uh, the rise in fight federation. Uh, He has gone on Twitter and said that he would be fighting with the company and that he accepted a fight with Fedor two weeks ago, but that he is awaiting Fedor putting his signature on the dotted line. I like Shane Carwin. I thought I felt Shane Carwin was the guy that whether you want to admit it or not did beat Brock Lesnar on paper, initially obviously you know the referee kind of gift wrapped Shane Carwin for Brock Lesnar for Brock to get the submission victory but if you watch that fight you will see that Shane Carwin in any other instance would have got that victory because he beat the fuck out of Brock Lesnar on the ground but it is what it is I'm actually looking forward to seeing Shane Carwin back in there plus any fight with Fedor is always a must-see because there's there's you know it's fucking Fedor. (laughs) Like it doesn't get, it does not get any easier than that. That's for sure. The, this next bit of news is a little, a little disheartening and, 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 you know, it, it saddens me as a fan. Um, Uriah Faber recently stopped by the MMA hour and told Ariel Helwani that his fight at UFC on Fox 22 against Brad Pickett is going to be his last fight. He, um, he said, and I quote, to be honest with you, I'm super excited to fight in Sacramento. Those are all my people out there. I built our team, Team Alpha Male. It's like an extended family to me. And I was raised in the greatest Sacramento area all the way through college. It's going to be a real cool event. I've been kind of waiting for this, and this is actually going to be my last fight. And it just feels right to do it in Sacramento. It just feels like the right time and the right place. I've been waiting for this new arena to be built. I was waiting for that Dominic Cruz opportunity. And I feel like this is going to be an epic event and I can't wait to do it in front of the people I love. Um, it's a, it's a, it's been an incredible career for Uriah Faber. This was a guy who I watched fight in WEC. And I was just like, yo, this kid, this kid with the ass chin is, is no joke. And the guy has incredible heart, has been a great ambassador for the sport. Uh, always positive goes out there Tries to make a difference, tries to improve the sport and be a good coach, a good mentor, and just continues to be a great ambassador for the sport of mixed martial arts. Yeah, you know, like any other fighter, it's inevitable that they're going to retire. I I respect the fact that he you know, he did it on his own terms. He didn't wait for the organization to push him out or any sort or or continue fighting until he was punch drunk. It's um it's it's ballsy, man. I think Uriah Faber is one of the the genuine good guys in the sport, and I think if the UFC doesn't give him a front office job, any organization will pick him up to either do commentary or be an ambassador for their organization. Only because of what he's done for the Sacramento area and for how much of a high profile fighter he is. I am not, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if, like I said, the UFC makes him some sort of an ambassador or puts him in a front office position or. Like I said, an organization like Bellator, World Series of Fighting, pick him up and have him do some commentary work or something else. I, You know, it's a it's been an amazing career. I think Faber is going to go out on his shield and it's going to be a fight that, you know, I, I definitely am not going to miss either way. Either he's going to go out in in highlight real fashion, either as victor or as loser. But at the end of the day, when when that bell rings, he's going to get an amazing ovation from the hometown crowd. That's for sure. While we have been on the subject of the UFC making their New York debut on November 12th, another organization will be taking over the garden on December 31st, that being world series of fighting, which is going to be holding their event at Madison square garden on December 31st. Uh, the main card's going to air on NBC at 4 PM. They actually got some really good fights there. Uh, Justin Gagey, Joao Zeferino for the lightweight title, John Fitch and Jake Shields for the welterweight title is going to be bananas. Uh, Marlon Moraes is going to be taking on Jose Naldo Silva for the bantamweight title, uh, three title fights on the main card on NBC at four o'clock. Dave Branch and Lewis Taylor are going to fight for the middleweight title on the prelims. And um, Yushin Okami, Paul Bradley are also on that card. And I think that's a, that's a solid card for the theater at Madison square garden. I, I would like to go check that out. I think world series of fighting is one of those organizations that is capable of delivering a solid card even though they don't get as much press as Bellator or the UFC. But if you're in New York and you're interested in checking it out, December 31st, main card, 4 o'clock, prelims at 3, uh, actually prelims online at 2, and then on SN at 3 p.m. So again, mark it down, World Series of Fighting, December 31st. All right, so Uriah Faber didn't get an opportunity to take on Dominic Cruz, his you know his most memorable rival. But Dominic Cruz will be in action for that UFC 207 card I was talking about earlier. He's going to be taking on Cody Garbrandt. And a lot of people are saying that, you know, it should have, you know, it could have been Uriah Faber or, but, you know, for me, I think that Cody Garbrandt is one of those guys that the UFC is kind of putting their, their stock in, putting their money behind this kid. And he definitely has all the tools. I just feel that. I'm not 100% sold on him deserving that title opportunity, but he is going to be uh, challenging for that belt. And even though I had said that the Cain Velasquez Fabrizio Verdum fight was probably going to be the co-main, um, according to the announcement, it looks like the Cody Garbrandt Dominic Cruz fight will be the co-main and Velasquez and Verdum will be the fight before that, according to the updated fight card based on that announcement. Now, For Dominic Cruz, I think Cody Garbrandt is going to pose an interesting challenge only because Cruz has thus far fought guys whose style he's familiar with. Garbrandt is kind of new, marketable, has, you know, has the look that that everybody expects from a fighter. And I'm not I wouldn't be shocked if the UFC hitches their wagon to this kid and tries to get him set up for a possible, you know, mainstream uh, push by the UFC. But we'll see what happens again. UFC 207. December 30th, Dominic Cruz, Cody Garbrandt for the Bantamweight title. Now, last bit of MMA news to wrap things up involves Michael Bisping, of all people, and George St. Pierre. As many of you know, George St. Pierre has been back and forth with the UFC about his contract, pretty much to the point where GSP said he was a free agent. The UFC said, absolutely not. Uh, Then, of course, there were the rumors of GSP Anderson Silva, which didn't happen. And Michael Bisping says that he has verbally agreed to fight GSP at UFC 206. Uh, Dana White, of course, disputed that, saying that there is going to be no Bisping GSP fight in Toronto. I know Mike wants it, but it's not happening. UFC 206 goes down December 10th. Now, a lot of people are saying and a lot of different news outlets are reporting that GSP and the UFC are on better footing than they were during the last couple of weeks. And that there may be an accord that is reached between uh GSP and the organization to get him back in the cage. Now I think that whatever fight card GSP comes back on, it's going to be, it's going to be Epic any way you slice it. I mean him coming back in Canada is pretty much guaranteed sellout crowd. It's going to be stellar. It's going to be insane. But again, who knows? I think that, as much as I'm a fan of GSP, he he went out on his own terms. He went out with a win, went out champion. I don't, I'm don't. i not saying he doesn't still got it, but is it worth it? Is it worth doing all this shit with the UFC for them to set you up for failure? Eh, not 100% sure about that. But in any case, this is going to be a story we will be watching very, very closely uh, in the coming weeks to see where it goes. GSP is a guy that wherever he goes... Is, you know, it's guaranteed fireworks, it's guaranteed mainstream press just because he is a first ballot UFC Hall of Famer. But seeing him mix it up with Bisping would be interesting, that's for sure. And um, you know, especially if that belt is on the line, man. If GSP was fighting at 185 for for that title, it would it would be it would be worth checking out, that's for sure. Again, right now it's uh Dana White playing damage control, Bisping uh trying to sell the card. We'll see what happens. I will keep you guys up to date if anything new develops. All right. With that said, that is the uh, the last bit of MMA news for the MMA segment. Uh, Before we jump into the wrestling segment, I actually just realized that our camera is not plugged in and I don't want the video to cut out. So bear with me one second while I plug that in. All right. Back in action. I was worried. I saw the I'm watching the battery meter on the camera go down from 75 percent to 50. And I said, eh, we still got the wrestling segment and there's a lot of stuff to break to break down on the wrestling side of things. So let me not let me not get caught out there and have the camera shut off halfway through the show. In any case, like I said, the Bisping GSP story wrapped up the MMA segment for this week. Let us jump into some wrestling, shall we? Only be appropriate to start with this week's episode of Monday Night Raw, which um our very own Quark uh dusted buried out you know pulled pulled buried out of the cobwebs to spotlight uh Mick Foley. And if you read his piece, you will you will see that Quark was he was he was spot on. It was it was one of those things where when you read it, obviously. If you're familiar with Quark and the buried column, you know that there's a a lot of a lot of satire in there, a lot of fun, fun commentary. But I as I as I edited the column and got ready to hit publish, I thought about it and I was like, you know, Quark is is right in a lot of in a lot of instances. And I'm not saying that just because, you know, he works with us, but because I end up watching Monday Night Raw, Smackdown and any other program twice and i'll explain why i watch it live and i watch it the following day as i get ready to go to work and then i finish watching it on tuesday night along with smackdown for prep for wednesday and i you know sitting through raw on tw- on two in- on two occasions is especially when it sucks i don't wish that on anyone um Number one, because when you watch it live, there's a lot of stuff. You kind of just look past it. Then I made the mistake of watching it the second time after editing Quark's post. (laughs) And um, a lot of the stuff he was pointing out is true. Uh, Mick Foley's role as a general manager on on Raw is it's bullshit. You bring him in there. He gets all hyper emotional. I understand you want to show a connection to the superstars. You want to, you want to get him over as a face GM, but it just comes off just really fucking sad. Him sitting there fucking being, you know, the the Santa Claus GM. And I just, I just felt that as soon as they announced that Foley was going to be the GM of raw, I said, this is either going to be really good or really fucking bad. And there were genuine moments where Mick Foley has been one of the highlights on Monday Night Raw, but it was only in the very, very early goings. Pretty much, it's it's he he's being duped every week by Stephanie McMahon, and you know Quark elaborated on that quite a bit in his post, and I don't want to rehash that. So please, if you haven't, go check it out on RageWorks.net. I but I do got to say that Foley, Foley is in his entire run after the first five episodes of Raw as a GM was a, it was abysmal. In addition to that, and I say this all the time, the final Raw or SmackDown before a quote-unquote pay-per-view should be stellar. It should be amazing. It should be enough that when it's all said and done, you're like, fuck, I need to watch this on Sunday. And I'll be honest, I am going to watch Hell in the Cell on Sunday, but it's only because... The matches that are happening, I'm actually curious about the outcome. You know, Rollins and Kevin Owens, I'm interested in. And of course, Charlotte and Sasha Banks making history in the first women's Hell in the Cell. You can't, you can't ignore that. Uh, Quark says, when I'm more excited for SmackDown than I am Hell in the Cell, it's a problem. And he's right. Like, the only reason I'm excited for Hell in the Cell was because Of the matches that I that me that I personally feel are going to be worth checking out, but Raw did nothing to get me invested in ordering. Well, in ordering in watching the pay per view. Now Slick says Jericho looking for the list. I gotta say that, and I'm I'm contemplating doing this when talking about wrestling for the next couple of episodes. You know, shouting out one superstar who who redeemed the show. And even though a lot of the stuff with Jericho was incredibly forced, I did feel that Jericho's interactions were quite funny. I got to say that when he was, when he was, when he interacted with Primo and Epico and he's like, Oh my God, Dominicans. And he called them Dominicans. I laughed my balls off. I was like, Holy shit. Or when Titus O'Neil was like Titus brand, my scarf is Titus brand. And he's like, Nope, it's idiot brand. And you know, his exchange with Jinder Mahal was funny there were a lot of really great moments with Chris Jericho in like when he came out and, you know, so him and Seth Rollins had that little back and forth. It was amusing, but here's the problem. If you're watching three hours of wrestling three and your highlight is a guy running around looking for a fucking clipboard, then ladies and gentlemen, that show was dog shit. Simple as that. If your highlight, if the last show, before a pay-per-view, is is highlighted by a guy looking for a fucking clipboard. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, you are doing it wrong. Wrong. 100% wrong. And not only that, but as always, you know, we talk about the bugs, the bad, the ugly, and the great. And I got to say that Jericho was great. You know he was he was great in the, in the stuff he was involved in, but that was it. Let's talk about some of the bad. Bo Dallas defeating Curtis Axel, fucking bad. First of all, A- Curtis Axel hasn't been on TV in forever. Curtis Axel not only is wrestling in front of his hometown, but he is probably getting one of the biggest pops I've ever heard him get. Obviously, name dropping his grandfather and his father helped, but still. Curtis Axel got an amazing pop. And for you to go and sacrifice him to Bo Dallas, not only that, but he, he you know, he used the perfect plex like Slick just said. He shouldn't have lost. There was no necessity. He should have won. Even if it was through DQ count out, there shouldn't have been a necessity to make Curtis Axel look like a complete fucking chode. And I was I was annoyed. I was like, Yo, are you kidding me? This guy comes out and gets the pop of his fucking life and you sacrifice him to Bo Dallas, who I don't care what anybody says sucks, you know, sucks. He sucks. I'm sorry. I don't understand why everybody's so enamored with Bo Dallas. Yes, he was, you know, an NXT champion and he was good in NXT. And I've said this before. It's the small it's the small fish, big pond effect meaning that you're you're the man in NXT. But if you can't carry that over to the main roster, you ain't shit. The same thing could be said for The Ascension. The Ascension were, you know, larger than life in NXT. The minute they came up to the main roster, nobody gives a fuck about them. And this is what I'm saying. It's It's no different than being, you know, the most talented basketball player in your neighborhood and then going to a basketball camp and getting your ass whooped or being the best player in, you know, an arcade game, and then going and mixing it up online in the home version and getting your ass kicked. It is, you know, it's one of those things. Uh, Quark says the Ascension always sucked. You know what it is? In NXT, they worked because, again, it was a smaller crowd, it was a smaller venue, and um, their, you know, the gimmick worked. Their wrestling has never been in question because, you know, to Quark's point in the chat, their wrestling was solid. There that's I've never had an issue with the Ascension wrestling wise. I just feel that whoever's writing their gimmick or crafting their gimmick didn't know how to make it better on a grander stage. In other words, you know, you got a small crowd, you got a small arena, you can hide a lot of the flaws. When you have these two guys come out in front of a hundred thousand people and they look completely like out of shape and like shit, it doesn't matter. Because the visual, if you're not grabbing people with the visual and then completing the package with the wrestling, you're not you're not accomplishing anything. And that's one of the things that bothered me. In addition, you know, here's 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 another thing: the golden truth and the shining stars. Quark Quark went into that quite a bit in in his column, and I got to add to that: that was an ugly fucking match. First of all, nobody cares about any of those guys i don't care about the stupid bouncing gold dust head when they're singing i don't care about the fact that gold dust is like wearing quasi blackface i don't care about r-truth shucking and jiving and i totally even didn't notice that mark henry was out there until like 10 minutes later i was like oh shit he's there okay i don't care do i care about the Goya brothers and their stupid timeshare shit no no um, slick ass. I'm confused as to why the cruiserweight champion is in the dusty roads classic on NXT. Uh, the reason is because Hideo Itami got injured and you got to put somebody in there with Kota Ibushi and putting TJ Perkins in there with Ibushi makes sense. That's all that's, um, it's, it's one of those things. Uh, I just going back to what I was saying, you know, the golden truth, I understand those guys are, you know, They're the gatekeepers of the tag team division, but those are the kind of guys that they could go down to NXT work with some of the, the young talent help those guys get over. Why do those guys need to be on, on raw? Uh, And and on top of that, having without a doubt, the most meaningless four minute match ever because nobody gave a shit. The crowd pretty much sat on their hands, you know, just, it is what it is now in terms of good rich Swan, Brian Kendrick, Great fucking match. I like the fact that Brian Kendrick lost and people were annoyed. They're like, how are you going to have your guy challenging for the belt lose before the pay-per-view? Because at the end of the day, Brian Kendrick is going to win that belt because he's Brian Kendrick. You know, he's the villain. It doesn't matter. On top of that, you don't want to have every one of your cruiserweights get murder death killed by fucking Brian Kendrick if you're not going to put the belt on him. I like Rich Swan. I think Rich Swan is a bona fide star. Hundred and ten percent has all the tools to be a star on WWE television. Period. People are like, "Yeah, but you know, blah blah blah." It's 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 gonna work. It is going to work. Um, also, good Cesaro and Sheamus defeating the New Day. I thought there was a lot of good chemistry on Cesaro and Sheamus's part. And I have a feeling, you know, I'm going to get into this more when when they predict, when I do my predictions for this Sunday, I feel that the New Day are going to drop the titles to Cesaro and Sheamus. I see it happening. I'm not, it's not going to be a long-term thing, but um, it's definitely one of those things that, you know, it's, it's, it's going to happen because you're not going to put this much work into Cesaro and Sheamus and not have them win the belts. It's completely fucking ludicrous in any case. Um... You know, I I those were those were some of the good moments. Like I said, ugly. That R-Truth Shining Stars match, ugly. Bad. Bo Dallas, Curtis Axel, completely bad. Enzo Amore and Carl Anderson, it's it wasn't, you know, they weren't good. It wasn't bad. It wasn't ugly. It just was. You know, Enzo is Enzo. And Carl Anderson, even though he looks like the the default creator wrestler on WWE two K seventeen, uh Carl Anderson is a very talented and capable performer and he had a, a decent match. He got a good match out of Enzo. He got a decently a decently solid match. Not great, not terrible. It just was. As for raw overall, it was piss poor to get anyone invested in Hell in the Cell. Couple of things I got to say. The the signing between Sasha and Charlotte And Mick Foley becoming a fucking blubbery mess. Oh, my God, it's so emotional. I'm like, yo, man, who gives a shit about you, Mick Foley? Who gives a shit? You know, simple as that. Um, The Brock Lesnar segment was completely cringeworthy. A lot of websites have reported that Vince McMahon was furious that Brock Lesnar was so over. And once again, it's like, hey, guys, you're in the guy's fucking hometown. He is going to get fucking... He played for the Minnesota Vikings, even though he wasn't on the main squad. The guy is a Minnesota product. He is going to be fucking cheered. And Paul Heyman, he tried. He tried to get the Goldberg chance. He tried to manipulate the crowd, and it wasn't happening. And Vince is all fucking, you know, hellfire and brimstone backstage about it, according to a couple of different websites. And I got to say this. How are you going to be fucking mad... When the guy's in his hometown and he got the pop that he got, it's insane. It's insane for you to be that bent out of shape. You know, like if you would have gone to, it's like when they tried to have WrestleMania in Florida and have the rock and John Cena and not expect the crowd in Florida to not cheer the rock. Oh, we're going to get like 50, 50. It's, it's impossible. It is completely and utterly fucking impossible that that's, what's going to happen. You know, I just, I just don't get it. I don't get it. And, you know, again, whether it's true or not true, for anybody to expect anything less is insane. Simple as that. All right, let's see what we got in the chat here. Uh, Rich Swan looks like the neighborhood dope fiend. <laughs> Slick says that Rich Swan is Kirk Lazarus. Uh, David says that the New Day are not losing the belts, fam. Uh,. Val adds, I read that the New Day is going to hold the titles to break demolition streak, to which Quark adds, I hope they do. Uh, You know what it is, man? You're not going to put this much work into Cesaro and Sheamus without a payoff. That's all I'm saying. Quark says, I hope Goldberg gets booed out of the building and Bret Hart is the guest referee. (laughs) Well played, well played. This is is how I look at it. It's the last Raw before a pay-per-view. And <laughs> Jimbo Slice, Swan just bought crack up the block. <laughs> Come on, man. Poor Rich Swan. Show show the fucking guy some love, man. He's a, he's a he's an entertaining motherfucker. Yes, he looks a little bit suspect, but he's a hell of a rat. Not everybody can look like um what the hell's this kid's name? Like Cedric Alexander. <laughs> Uh, Val, Brett will get super kicked in the head again. Uh, it's just, it just, it just gets worse and worse and worse. Anyway, like I said, raw, raw did a really, really piss poor job getting anybody interested in the pay-per-view. Now I want to switch gears. I want to talk about SmackDown, but before I do, I want to ask those of you in the chat, what do you guys think of James Ellsworth? Do you think, that there's too much James Ell- Ellsworth on TV is it um does he need to be there you know like like I'm curious because I've I've noticed that there's a there's a big there's a big gap in terms of opinion some people like James Ellsworth James Ellsworth there they like what he brings to the table some people feel that the gimmick has run its course so I want to ask you guys what do you think about Ellsworth Is it is it overdone? Have they tried too much? Or do you feel that that, you know, it's good to have him around because he's an interesting character? I mean, a lot of people say that his work on the independents is solid. Uh, You know, he was he was fine for for what he's done on WWE thus far. Um, Slick as James Ellsworth for champ Ellsworth is Smackdown's Brock Lesnar. Pork adds Ellsworth is funny as fuck but will be annoying in a month. See, I agree. I agree. I like James Ellsworth, you know, even though he's fucking chinless, but in a month or two it's gonna get old. It really is gonna get old. <laughs> David, stop with the fucking James Ellsworth. Damn, just just no love. No love for the chinless guy. <laughs> Jimbo Slice, I have to go. Rich Swan just broke into my truck. (laughs) Oh man, it was, uh, it was fantastic. Val says, uh, make a wish, the make a wish comment that, um, (laughs) that, that he made, uh, isn't Rich Swan too old for make a wish? He adds the make a wish comment was for James Ellsworth. Well, clearly, clearly, even our even our listeners are mixed on James Ellsworth. Like I said, I think it's it, the, his use is 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 there, but I think it's too much. And uh, th- I'm, let me rephrase that: I think they're going to overdo it, and they're just going to make people hate his fucking guts. Anyway, as for the matches on SmackDown, you know Bray Wyatt defeating Kane. There's rumors that Randy Orton may turn and join the Wyatts, which I think is fucking stupid like you know who should join the wyatts bo dallas <laughs> why because bray wyatts his brother and it makes fucking sense randy orton join he that motherfucker is too pretty to join the wyatts get the fuck out of here with that uh the high brothers defend de- defeated the ascension that was the wake up and go and grab some snacks from the fridge match um Slick says Rich has been trying to get Dallas into the Wyatt family for years now. For real, man. At least it makes fucking sense. And maybe, maybe Bray Wyatt can can make him look semi presentable. Because right now, even with that singlet, he looks like a complete fucking jobber still. But none, you know, I digress. Anyway, Nikki Bella and Natalia had a match that once again nobody gave a fuck about because nobody cares about either one. Because the SmackDown women's division is Alexa Bliss and Becky Lynch and nobody cares about everything else. <laughs> uh, David says, I ain't mixed. Keep that the fuck off my TV. Good. There you go, sir. There you go. Uh, we had a tag team title match on SmackDown between Beauty and the Man Beefs. Heat Slater, and Rhino taking on the Spirit Squad. <laughs> Why? I, I just I just don't know. Like when I saw that as I'm watching it, I say to myself, this is really happening. The spirit squad is really a thing. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, the spirit squad is on my TV in 2016. How is this possible? <laughs> like, I just, I just didn't know what to say to that. Um, Styles and Ambrose had a, had a really good match, actually, as usual. Again, AJ Styles, a fucking workhorse. Uh, a lot of people are saying that the, um, you know, the, the James Ellsworth heel turn is inevitable. I don't know. Um, I think I think that they're not going to turn James Ellsworth. I think that um, he was the finish was genuine. Like he was just trying to help Dean Ambrose out. I don't know, man. It's um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting where this goes. But again, can't you can't crutch it. You can't you can't have it on TV every fucking week. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, let's jump into the wrestling news of the week. Because there are quite a few things to discuss and address. Uh, First and foremost, let us talk about uh, Hideo Itami's injury. As I mentioned earlier in the segment, Hideo Itami was pulled from the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic due to sustaining a neck injury. He was replaced by TJ Perkins alongside Kota Ibushi. Uh, But the good news is that, you know, Hideo Itami will not be on the shelf for very long. It appears that the injury he sustained is only going to keep him out for two months and um you know if it would have been more serious he would have been out a minimum of six months uh really bummed out uh quark says i want hideous released just so he doesn't die in the ring oh my god to which slick added is hideo atami made out of paper mache ah damn you guys are you guys are brutal brutal Quark, I agree. He should have came back as a heel and um, feuded with Shinsuke Nakamura. That's what I was hoping for. Uh, David says the rookie legit fucked up and injured Hideo. You know what's weird about that, David? That that a lot of people were saying that Hideo didn't take the move right, but there's definitely a larger majority saying that, um, that the rookie did fuck up. So there you have it. In any case, we were talking about James Ellsworth. And I'm going to tell you guys right now that what I am about to read to you, according to Pro Wrestling Inc, is going to probably make half of you shut off this show and and walk out. James Ellsworth's new T-shirt is the top selling item on WWE shop, currently outselling Goldberg, Dean Ambrose, and Seth Rollins merchandise. (laughs) I think, I think, I think David's going to fucking shut the, shut the show off and leave. (laughs) Oh my God. I couldn't even believe that when I, when I put the notes in, I was just like holy cow. As I'm reading this, I'm like, this can't be right. And sure enough, it is the top selling piece of merch. (laughs) All right, let's go to the chat. Quark, just saying, he ain't selling out Roman. He ain't he ain't outselling Roman Reigns, the Roman Empire for life. Val adds, WWE fans are dumb. <laughs> Slick just repeatedly types yes, and uh once again, David, fuck James Ellsworth. Uh, I I love you guys tonight. I genuinely do. You guys are making this this show a blast. But yes. <laughs> James Ellsworth's new shirt is the top selling item on WWE shop. Here's what I want to know. And I should, if anybody can capture somebody in the real world wearing a James Ellsworth shirt and can send it to us, I, I I'll give you guys something. And I, and I mean in public, like you gotta be like in a mall or, or like in the gym, like someplace genuinely. And it can't be you wearing the shirt. I need you to catch a photo of somebody genuinely wearing a James Ellsworth (laughs) t-shirt. Oh shit. Oh man. Ah, Mayhem real mayhem. The next bit of news is something that's rather interesting only because I want to say it was, it was obvious, but uh, the Boston globe issued a, uh, a piece recently that Balls Mahoney and Axel Rotten both were suffering from CTE while they were alive. Uh, CTE is the updated name for uh, an an ailment called uh, dementia puglistica, which is caused, uh, which is damage to the brain due to multiple concussions and shots to the head. This marks the first time since 2009 that deceased wrestlers were diagnosed with the condition. Uh, The details of course were found in a postmortem examination And it is said that even though the disease was in the early stages, um, in Axel Rotten's brain, it was still worth noting. Uh, also mixed martial artist, Jordan Parsons, who died in a car accident, uh, not that long ago also was diagnosed with CTE. So, um, you know, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Uh, you know, concussions are, are no joke, man. And, they you got to you got to protect your your superstars long term. I know WWE's been doing a really good job with that as of late, but um again, you know, CTE is the real deal if you are an athlete suffering from uh you know, who's had a fair share of concussions, please, you know, get get yourselves checked out cuz this is, you know, not shocked. Again, both Axel Rotten and Balls Mahoney were two guys that took chair shots to the dome on a consistent basis. If you watched ECW with either one of these guys, you knew they were eating a chair shot hard way to the head. But this again reinforces, you know, that CTE is the real deal, and that you know it's one of the reasons why you're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of wrestlers not getting shot in the uh, you know not not eating chair shots to the head. But nonetheless, it is it has been confirmed. Uh, both Axel Rotten and Balls Mahoney were found to have CTE. There you go. All right. Another week, another TNA lawsuit update. As many of you know, Billy Corrigan is taking TNA to court uh, due to obviously paying for fun, helping the company out of some jams, being promised ownership of the company, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Dixie Carter being an asshole, blah, blah, blah. In any case, Billy Corrigan is suing TNA, but TNA is also being sued by a bunch of other companies uh, Bank Direct Capital Finance is suing them for two hundred and seven thousand six hundred and twelve dollars um, plus late charges in in Illinois. And, um, you know, American Express, I heard, is suing them. Needless to say, TNA has to pay a fuckload of money to a bunch of people. I know that they received an influx of cash recently, but Billy Corrigan in his lawsuit against TNA is um is saying that you know, he was promised the the opportunity to buy the company and that they were lying, etcetera, et cetera, et cetera. In any case, the, I feel that this is probably going to end with Billy Corrigan getting impact wrestling and WWE still buying the tape library. Only because there's way too many lawsuits floating around, too much money that's being looked for, that, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if that's how it ends. Or just for the sake of getting getting the lawsuit with Billy Corrigan dismissed, just giving him TNA. So we'll see what happens. The case gets crazier and crazier and crazier. Um, But obviously, I'll keep you guys updated if the situation changes over the next couple of weeks. But it definitely does not look good for TNA thus far. I will say this, you know, the the lawsuit between Corrigan and TNA is it's it's insane. It really is. I mean, you know, he definitely has plenty of legal recourse, but, um, you know, it's it, it it's, it's going to be weird. The Any way that this that this shakes out, TNA is never going to be the same. Like I said, it's either going to be acquired by WWE for the tape library or Corrigan is going to get, you know, the roster and everything else, but not the impact name. Who knows? But it's not looking good. That's for sure. WWE announced that Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg is official for Survivor Series, as is Team SmackDown versus Team Raw and also a Survivor Series style women's elimination match with Nikki Bella and Team SmackDown versus Team Raw. They're also going to do a Survivor Series tag team match with uh, Slater and Rhino, Zack Ryder, Mojo Rawley and other SmackDown members against a member of Team Raw. So very happy to see traditional Survivor Series matches back in the mix. That's for sure. Actually really pumped to hear that. Next bit of news is a press release WWE sent out welcoming a brand new class of recruits to the WWE Performance Center. Uh, There's a couple of superstars there that many of us recognize and some new faces as well. Wanted to go through some of the people that were signed. Uh, Alvin Abbott's uh, from Wisconsin, uh, six feet, six inches tall, 285 pounds. Uh, Abbott's is an Army veteran with a rugby and kickboxing background. Uh, Theophilus Agby from Brooklyn, New York, six feet, five, 270 pounds. Uh, Agby attended Amherst College where he wrestled and was named NCWA All-American in 2013 and 2015. Agby graduated from Amherst College with a Bachelor's of Arts in uh, bachelor's of Arts degree, majoring in French, law. Uh, he's got a he's got a collegiate collegiate athlete. Sarah Bridges, aka Crazy Marie Dobson. Many of you were excited about this signing. Um, you know, Crazy Marie Dobson comes out of the Kyon dojo in Japan. Has wrestled for a few years now. Wrestled in ICW in Scotland, HXC in England, uh, Westside Extreme Wrestling in Germany, multiple places in Japan and was named one of Pro Wrestling Illustrated's top female uh, 50 female wrestlers in 2014 and 2015. Uh, very big signing for the company. I think uh, Crazy Marie Dobson is going to be an interesting addition to the roster. Um, I actually thought that she was going to be used in the Sanity faction. Obviously not. Uh, many people are speculating that she will be used as Sister Abigail with the Wyatt family. Um, Val, Val, uh, very, very adamant about that. And he's not the only one. A couple of other websites have said that that is the payoff for her. We'll see if that is the case. Uh, Demetrius Bronson from Gilbert, Arizona, five feet, 11, uh, played running back position for the Seattle Seahawks and the Miami Dolphins. Uh, prior to playing in the NFL, he attended Eastern Washington university where he played football and, uh, got a bachelor's of arts degree in sociology. Uh, Tom Budgen, also known as Tommy End, who wrestled on The Independence, has wrestled in the UK, Japan, and the US for uh, Insane Championship Wrestling, Progress Wrestling, West Side Extreme Wrestling, Evolve, Pro Wrestling gorilla, and Big Japan Pro Wrestling. He's held multiple titles throughout his career. Uh, Tommy End is no joke. Look him up. Uh, Slick, if you could, punch in Tommy End on YouTube and see if you could find one of his highlight reel packages I think that's a solid signing for WWE. Also, uh, Tenara Melo de Carvajo from, uh, Rio Brazil, uh, five feet, six inches tall. Uh, Carvajo is a black belt in judo and participated in the 2016 Olympic trials in Rio. And of course is fluent in Portuguese, uh, Victoria Gonzalez, uh, wrestled in a couple of different organizations um, her father, Ricky Gonzalez, worked with Shawn Michaels at the Texas Wrestling Academy. She's wrestled on the Independence and, uh, she is six feet tall, this young lady. Um, very, very big girl. Um, we'll see, we'll see if they, if she actually is, uh, the real deal. Chris Lindsay from Tampa, Florida, aka Roderick Strong. We already know where Roderick Strong is. So, um, <laughs> I don't, I don't need to say too much. Uh Damian Mackey aka the Big Damo uh trained with Finn Balor, Robbie Brookside and Johnny Moss. Um he was also in ICW, the Scottish Wrestling Alliance and New Japan plus TNA as well, uh holding multiple titles throughout his career. Again another veteran signing. I think this incoming class is um it's pretty solid, man. I got I got to admit, you got a lot of real blue chip athletes. But you also got some incredible veterans that are, you know, that are going to be welcome additions to the WWE roster. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, like I said, Crazy Marie Dobson is a great signing. Tommy End, another awesome signing. Victoria Gonzalez, I'm, I'm interested in seeing how she fares. Roderick Strong, of course. Big Damo is another guy to keep an eye on. But um, we'll see what happens. I have a feeling that Crazy Marie Dobson is going to come in and she's probably going to either get fast track to NXT or she's going to get the call up to the main roster. Hopefully uh, for as uh, sister Abigail, as many of you guys would like with the Wyatts, we'll see what happens, but um, definitely some really, really great additions. All right. So this Sunday we have hell in the cell and it would only be fitting to close out uh, this week's wrestling segment with my predictions. Uh, first off, they added Bailey and Dana Brooke to the card. I gotta say that Dana Brooke has been uh pushed rather well. I think it's a step up in competition for Bailey, but Bailey is definitely going over. Bailey's too popular, sells too much merch, and Dana Brooke, you know, a loss for Dana Brooke won't derail her career because Dana Brooke hasn't exactly been utilized well from the get-go. Simple as that. In addition. Um, a six man cruiserweight match was announced for the kickoff show. Sincara, Lindsay Dorado and Cedric Alexander will be taking on Tony Nice, drew Gulak and Aria Davari. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of all six competitors. I think they're going to go out there and have an amazing match. I do feel that, um, they're going to put over Sinkara and Lindsay Dorado. I think those guys are going to sell a fuckload of merch and, um, Cedric Alexander is just awesome. So I, I feel that the faces will definitely go over. That's for sure. Slick says, I wonder if Dana Brooke will go back to her buddy Emelina. I don't know, man. I think they're going to try and just have Emelina run solo, but you never know. They may do it just because Charlotte hasn't exactly been using Dana Brooke over the last couple of weeks, especially with Hell in the Cell around the corner. So putting her in a feud with Bailey is, is fine in terms of placeholder, but you raise an interesting question, Slick. That's for sure. As for the other matches on the Hell in the Cell card, um, the Cruiserweight title match, TJ Perkins, Brian Kendrick. Uh, I like TJ. I think TJ is awesome. But I think they're going to try and, and put the belt on Kendrick uh, just to, you know, kind of bring that story full circle. I like TJ Perkins. I think that even though he's a solid champion, I think that chasing the title is is not going to do him any harm plus he's super over so i think kendrick may go over and and we may see a new cruiserweight champion at the hell in a cell pay-per-view the tag team match with the new day and sheamus and cesaro as i said before even though a lot of you guys are saying that the new day are on tap to break demolitions tag team title record i just feel that there has to be a payoff with sheamus and cesaro's pairing and i think this may be it but again I could be wrong. What the fuck do I know? But I'm, I'm going with Sheamus and Cesaro for this one. Just my personal pick. Slick says, I want Emma to come back and smack the shit out of Charlotte. Like, how dare you treat my friend like that and then turn around and whoop Dana's ass for letting Charlotte do it. <laughs> nice. Not a, not a bad way to do it, Slick. Not a bad way to do it. The Raw Women's title match with Sasha Banks and Charlotte, I think the match itself is going to be good, but I feel that even though Sasha Banks is over, I don't think they're going to, you know, I think having the belt on Charlotte in terms of mainstream exposure is, is what WWE is shooting for. I mean, they're doing so much press with Charlotte lately, showing up on sports center, uh, doing stuff with the tap out clothing brand. I I'm just, I would be hard pressed to say that Charlotte doesn't walk out champion. And even though, I like Sasha Banks. She's an incredible performer. I feel that this is going to be one of those matches that can go either way, but I'm I'm going for the upset, and I'm going to say that Charlotte uh, captures the women's title and that they'll put Charlotte in a program with Bayley, or maybe they'll put Sasha in a program with Bayley to build up to her challenging Charlotte. But in any case, Bayley's chance at the title is coming sooner rather than later. Roman Reigns and Rusev, as much as people think that this is going to be a hard hitting sleeper match. <laughs> exactly. What the fuck do I know? <laughs> um, Roman reigns and Rusev, you know, the Roman reigns push for, as a mid Carter. And I say that mid Carter in quotes, uh, not terrible by any stretch. I, I think that Rusev and Roman reigns are going to have a very hard hitting match. And I think Roman's going to retain, I think it's going to be one of those matches that is going to be memorable just because of the physicality, but Roman Reigns is going to stay champion. Simple as that. As for Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins, I see this going one of two ways. A, Chris (laughs) Jarrett. Quark, I hope all your predictions are wrong. (laughs) We'll see what happens next week, man. I, I don't mind, you know. Um... I think Kevin Owens is going to retain. I think they're they're really building towards that. I have a suspicion that Kevin Owens is probably going to turn on Chris Jericho and they're going to start building that program only because it's been happening already. If anything, I see Kevin Owens probably turning on Chris Jericho after Survival uh after Survivor Series and I think they're going to start really building towards Seth Rollins and Triple H, whether it be at the Rumble or at Mania, could be at Mania, but I'm seeing it maybe as a a Royal Rumble match. Kevin Owens is not losing, that's for sure. Uh, Slick says, only good thing about Charlotte taking the belt back would be Bayley. Bayley's legacy needs a championship win over Charlotte after the NXT bullshit. David adds, Rusev is gonna kill Roman, to which Slick says Rusev is losing. (laughs) A lot lot of interesting predictions from you guys. Anyway, I feel, you know, I think that that even though people, you know, the raw building up to hell in the cell was dog shit. I think hell in the cell is going to be a solid pay-per-view. And I think that we're going to get some really, um, you know, really memorable showings from the ladies in the hell in the cell match. I think Reigns and Rusev is going to be a, a violent, violent encounter. Um, I think the cruiserweight match is going to be dope and I'm not, you know, new day and Seamus and Cesaro. It's not going to suck because those guys, they're, they're all incredible workers. The New Day are super talented. Um, I'm just looking forward to seeing that match because I'm sure Big going to do some crazy shit as usual because that motherfucker can fly as big as he is. Um, I think all the matches on paper are going to be solid. Like I said, I think the card is going to be good. It's just a matter of whether my predictions come true or not or if you guys are going to come here next week and be like, you were fucking wrong. But um in any case I'm looking forward to Hell in the Cell and not because of Raw Raw definitely Raw definitely did not did not do this show any favors but the matches on paper look solid All right that said that is going to wrap up the wrestling segment for this week and in essence it's going to wrap up the show as well With that said I've given you guys my take on MMA and wrestling as always I'd love to hear yours Hit us up on social media, on Twitter, at My Take Radio, or at Rage underscore works. If you're on Facebook, become a fan, facebook.com forward slash official RageWorks, or join our RageWorks Facebook group. Interact with myself, Slick, and the rest of the RageWorks hosts from the RageWorks Network, and also some of our writers, and of course our f- fellow fans as well. Just look for RageWorks on Facebook and you can find the group. Uh definitely. Would love to have more people involved. We've been seeing some really great stuff in there uh, from a lot of our regulars and a lot of our regular listeners. But as always, uh, more people is never a bad thing. So make sure to check it out if you are on Facebook. Also, you can find Rageworks on Instagram, Snapchat, Pinterest, Google Plus, you know, social media, we're all over the place. But those are those are most of the places where you can find us. Be on the lookout for this show in archive format. Uh, Audio will be on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. Uh, Video will be on Facebook, uh, obviously through a post on RageWorks.net and on YouTube. Last but not least, make sure to keep an eye out for our other shows on deck this week. We have brand new MTR Beyond the Mic, which um, obviously is happening. Uh, Definitely a lot of people are Digging the interview, responding to it. Make sure to check it out. If you haven't already with Lewis blout from soul purpose designs, uh, we got a brand new episode of the variant issue with myself and Jimbo slice. If you love comics and collectibles, check it out. Rageworks.net has the links for that as well as on social media. Of course we got my take radio live. We got my take radios gaming and entertainment edition tomorrow. Plus of course the regular season sports cast and call me when it's over. So Lots of podcasts to keep you guys entertained until next week. And of course, make sure to check out all our content on RageWorks.net. We got a new buried spotlight from Quark. Lots of dope shit from Slick. Plus all the usual bells and whistles that we throw your way every week. All right, guys. Thank you guys for checking out the MMA and Wrestling edition of MTR. We will be back next Wednesday at eleven thirty PM Eastern, eight thirty PM Pacific for MMA and Wrestling. If you want to talk gaming and entertainment, join us later today for the gaming and entertainment edition of My Take Radio. As always, listen, watch, and chat live by heading over to MTRLive.com. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in this week. Peace. I'm free, it's That's all, folks.